What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Beyond the Course podcast. Today's guest is professional golfer Laura Hoskin, all the way from her hotel quarantine in New Zealand. <laughs> How are you, Laura? I'm good, thank you. So what, what puts you in quarantine? Are you just coming back from the States, is it? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I was here in America for two months and because of the whole COVID regulations and, um, you know, outbreak, we've had to... Um, being quarantined for two weeks um everyone has to go through it upon arrival when coming back into New Zealand so yeah. yeah I'm just stuck in a hotel I think I'm on day six I've lost count but yeah <laughs> god that must be tough but it's um it's all good though right because you just come back you've just been playing in the qualifying uh, event for LPGA and, and Symmetra Tour recently I saw on your, on your Instagram yeah so I yeah, guess congratulations so they- are in order Thank you. Yeah, I earned myself some Symmetra Tour status for 2022. Um, and it's yeah, the qualifying school is a four day event and um, that's the first stage. And then they have a second stage, which is um, in October later in the year. And then a third stage um, further down the track. And um, if you get to the third stage, then you get LPGA Tour status. But there's all, there's, yeah, all these different stages and you get um, different status depending on how well you do in each stage. Yeah, I was going to say maybe we can go a little bit further into it because for a lot of the listeners, for example, the ones from the United Kingdom, they might not know the ins and outs of how these qualifying things work. So the original goal is to try and get LPGA status, but then there's also kind of a a cutoff point whereby even if you don't make that, you still get onto the Symmetra Tour, which is then the qualifying tour for the LPGA as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the one. And um, yeah, no, so uh, top, the money the money list um, is really important in the Symmetra tour because if you finish top, say, 25 on that tour, then you get full status to get a play on the LPGA the following year. Cool. Well, I mean, we'll go a little bit more into kind of your career and how you got here um, later on. So... For this particular qualified tournament, what was the goal for you going in? Was it kind of focused on that Symmetra Tour or were you just trying to get as far as you can and try and reach LPJ? What was kind of goals and thoughts going in? Yeah, my goal was for Symmetra. Look, um, the the quality of golf out there this season has been remarkable. Um, and I knew that going in. I think there are 440 girls playing. I placed 126. Um, so I was really happy with that. And play some of my my best golf as a as a professional um, in my career, and uh, ended up with status for for next year. And that's all I really wanted to do and come out of this event was just to be able to go and play um, back in America in twenty twenty two. So we did that, and um, hopefully we can build on it and and see where it goes from there. Yeah, I mean it's a good time to start playing your best golf, especially under the the pressure of that. I mean, I imagine you must be very used to playing on US soil. You you went to college there. I think you played a lot of your junior and amateur career around around the the state. So did that kind of give you a yeah. bit of confidence going in? Exactly. America is like my second home. Um, I went to Ole Miss for four years and um, graduated in journalism. Um, but no, I love playing in America, especially just even the competition over there. Like, I don't, maybe it's the same in Europe, but definitely in New Zealand, we don't have a lot of women competition down where we are. So it was so nice just to be back playing with, you know, other girls and like the quality of golf is amazing. And honestly, it just gave me more motivation to come back next year. Yeah, well, I saw an interview you did, actually. I think it was in New Zealand about the, the women's golf side of thing in New Zealand. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how's the situation at the moment? Is it kind of getting better? I know you did that interview back in April, I think. 
uh, talking mm-hmm. about the kind of maybe lack of women's golf available in New Zealand in the tournaments, etc. So how's that whole situation going now? Yeah, well, we've, um, gosh, we're, we're going back from when I was a junior, um, we had a, a junior girls, a five, five girl junior team and um, four out of the five of us are now um, playing over in America. So we were really strong um, at the moment. It, it's weakened off a little bit but um we've got some good juniors coming through but it's it's tough like we're such a small country and we don't have enough women to make our own tour so we have to then join up with the men and play in the men's tournaments so we actually have you know events to play in otherwise we're out of the job um Mm -hmm. so yeah when we play in New Zealand we're playing alongside the guys and that's only because there's not enough women to make a tournament of our own Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, where does that problem come from then? Is it really just a lack of opportunity for younger girls to get into golf? Or, I mean, is it an acceptance thing with women? It's not that, is it? I imagine it's more just about getting young girls into golf from an early age, possibly. Yeah, I, I was talking to girls, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was back in the States and they said that they're having the same issue at clubs over there as well, that there's just not a lot of junior girls coming through. Um, and yeah, I think just with the whole, you know, electronics and technology girls are just finding it you know like what's the point of playing golf or sport mm-hmm. in general I think um better things to do <laughs> I guess <laughs> but um New Zealand's also we're a population of just under five million so um it yeah we're, we've got a small pool of people but I think they just need to know that there is an amazing opportunity out there going to college getting a free education like if they just you know saw saw what you know golf can offer I think would get a lot more girls into it yeah, I mean, we seem to be getting a lot of good New Zealand golfers coming through at the moment um, from, from the women's game, especially. So maybe it's just something that takes a little bit of time, but it, it's definitely true. I spoke to uh, somebody that is from Australia about this kind of similar issue, and, and she talked about this as well, about the lack of uh, girls or women's that are at the tournaments in the local clubs and things like that. And I think maybe it's something that is getting better. It's maybe just hard to see the progress sometimes. Yeah, I think, and it's like any sport, like it goes through waves and, you know, at my age group, um, our our, um, competition is really good. Like we've got five really high, um, um, high perform, high performance golfers out there playing internationally, but um, you might look back in, so six years down the track and it's not that great, but again, it all just goes in waves and I'm sure we'll have a surge of, of good golfers coming through shortly. Yeah, I mean, I know New Zealand was obviously not as as uh, affected by coronavirus as, say, some countries in Europe and the in the States, but <laughs> we saw a massive boom here in England, especially of golfers, but also women golfers that were now taking it up because of the pandemic. The figures from England Golf, which is like the official association, was ridiculous. And again, for women and men golfers that are either signing up for memberships or just playing now or starting to play, it's obviously not a good way for mm-hmm. it to start with a pandemic, but it was great to see like, that there were some positives out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I just guess it's just people exploring their own backyard, but I've heard the same thing in America, actually, with um, people taking up golf over there and um, country clubs having storages and tea time bookings. And um, I know a few country clubs even had to um, restrict guest access because members were just wanting to play, mm-hmm. um, you know, they were traveling. So yeah, tea, it was even hard. It was hard just to get tea times. Sure. Um, did yeah. you see it? Did you see any of that surge in New Zealand as well? Do you think? I don't know the stats, um, but 
yeah, I, I would imagine because people are not traveling that we we will see a rise, especially with summer coming up. I know um, from my club, a lot of, um, you know, the older golfers all go to Australia, but that's not going to happen. So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be seeing a surge in, in golf over our summer coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of maybe like the solution, then what do you think, you know, everybody or people like myself and you could do to try and help the the increase in, in girls and women playing golf either in England or in New Zealand or all over the world? Yeah, really good question. I think it's just letting girls know like that the opportunity is out there to play um, in college and that there's a pathway. Like you don't necessarily have to go pro, but you can play and get an education and and, and get an experience and, and see what it's like playing golf, you know, at a, at a really high level. And and it doesn't have to be you know hardcore or like really intense you can have fun doing it um mm -hmm. I know growing up for me like I was always the only girl and um I I, I did take it quite intensely but I if I was to say to, to myself back then I would say like loosen up a little and like um probably enjoy it just a little bit more and and, and just enjoy it with friends um yeah lots of opportunity and, and just enjoying it with friends I think would would help the younger generation get into it for sure yeah I think I've seen it definitely improve it I mean speaking for myself but people that I follow and stuff on social media they're definitely more involved and in, and in, um, interested in the women's tournaments now on that have been televised for example the Solheim Cup that just finished you know I was way more into that than watching say the final PGA event in the FedEx Cup and I know other people have been the same. Everybody's been talking about, you know, the the Women's Open that was uh, a couple of weeks ago, the major there. So people seem to be definitely paying a lot more attention to it now than, you know, maybe like on an equal basis to the men's, which is great to see. Yeah, it's really cool. And I think the quarter sisters have helped out the game a lot, like just getting to know them through social media and and getting to know their personalities. Like we know all the gold, like the men's golfers and we know, you know everyone's got a different personality and it's always fun to see them play and 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 see them come out not as a golfer but as a person and I think as soon as we start profiling women golfers like that and get to know them as a golfer and a person um we'll want to take more interest for sure yeah sure so getting a little bit into your kind of career then and how it started I mean because you've played a lot of golf all over the world I believe you played on the Chinese LPGA, LPGA. You competed on the Korean one, you played in New Zealand, and then obviously the States, as we mentioned. So give us a little backstory into how you got into golf and, and how you got into playing kind of the, the amateur events, Junior. How, how did it all start for you? Yeah, so like every other golfer, probably my, my dad got me into it at a, as a young age. Um, and yeah, he was, he's been my biggest supporter. Like if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have played in America as a junior. Um, I played the junior... Um, Amer uh, American Championship and played really well over there and um, definitely like my parents pushing me to do well um, has has got me to where I've where I've got um, and in regards to um, playing as a junior before I turned pro I, I went to America and played on the Al um, in Ole, at Ole Miss um, for four years and and then I turned pro um, straight after graduating. Yeah, I read a little article about your dad. Apparently, that there was one point when you were kind of ready to give up on golf, was it? And then he was trying to remind you of, you know, well, what it is <laughs> to play golf. That. Yeah, I, I felt I, I don't know whether it was the old Miss website, but somebody was saying about yeah. how you maybe 
just uh, lost the passion for it. And he had to remind you a little bit of, of what it's like to yeah. be a golfer in your dream. So it all means I was definitely into like the partying and um, <laughs> I, love, I love party. I was a partier. And um after during almost I, I did want to stay in America and uh, get an internship and um, stay in the golfing scene but get an internship within the golfing industry um, and then dad said look Laura like I really think you should pursue golf like it's now or never and I was like oh like how and he goes look if you come home we'll we'll back you um, you know for your first two years and I was like oh okay I may as well like I mean why not so I came home and he, yeah no he did persuade me and he's like look, I think your game's good enough. We'll go to China we'll, and see if you can qualify for the tour over there. And I played really well. I surprised myself. I placed 14th over in the Q school over there um, and earned my uh, full status for that tour. And um, yeah, played over in China. Then I got noticed and got invited to go and play on the Korean tour and um, then Australia. And like Laura Davies was in the field when I was playing over in Australia. Oh, wow. Like it was, it was pretty cool. Like it was a wicked year and then you know and then COVID hit so it was sure. all just <laughs> trying to Nightmare. get the ball again but yeah yeah I yeah. mean we'll get onto those tours and everything in a little while but in terms of the college stuff then what was that kind of experience like for you obviously again you've got a lot of experience in the states but coming from New Zealand a completely different country how was that experience of going to play and living in America yeah, I opened my eyes to what life is like without golf. So I I guess I was always quite sheltered gro growing up, like from like having friends and having a social life. And since I got to college, I was able to explore what, what that life was like. And I, I loved it. Like if, if you see like a college movie, it's exactly like a college movie, yeah. like the Red Solo, Beer Pong, like all that <laughs> stuff. And I... I immersed myself into it it was super fun and I'm glad that I did because if I didn't do that then I would probably be here now and craving to go and party and I probably wouldn't want to pursue golf because I would be burnt out mm -hmm. but um yeah so now I'm uh, college was cool and I'm glad that um I approached it the way that I did and and um left some energy <laughs> in the tank to play professionally yeah. So then after college, you said, so the first kind of tour you started to play on then was that the, the Chinese one directly after yeah. college, more or less? Yeah, that was about uh, six months after college. I went over there and qualified. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, I mean, again, that's completely different, very different from the States where you were used to than I imagine very different to New Zealand. So give us some kind of comparisons between playing there and playing in America. What did you have to kind of get yourself used to apart from, of course, like the language and, and everything else? Yeah. Well, they, they actually run the Chinese LPGA tour very well. Um, and there are two other Australians and another Kiwi, me playing over there. And I was honestly surprised like why there weren't any more like Americans playing because it's such a competitive tour making the same, if not more money than Sumitra. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess the, the only difference is it doesn't lead to the LPGA. Like there's no pathway. So okay. that's the only doubt. But um, they, every, everyone would speak English. Um, and if you didn't speak English, then you'd just use Google Translate, which we did all the time. Mm -hmm. um, it, was like, it was a front, it was the app on the front page of my, of my phone. <laughs> um, but no, I, I love the tour. The, the, the one thing I did find tough was um probably not having like in English caddies so I needed need to have a caddy every tournament and I remember I was playing I was playing this one round and I 
laid up into the water on a par five and my caddy who, who was real cool she gets out her phone she didn't speak a word English gets out mm. her phone pulls out the Google Translate app and says pull yourself together on the, <laughs> on the app like, oh, that's okay. cute <laughs> she's like yeah <laughs> just like concentrate <laughs> okay okay <laughs> um, uh, yeah that's funny so it was funny yeah but I imagine with with golf, it's a lot of it is just numbers, right? So she can just go seven or eight iron, whatever it is, and pick eight, the club exactly. out for you. Yeah, yeah. That um, it, yeah. It takes a long. It takes a while for a caddy to get to know what your numbers are. Um, sh- the caddies over there, you'd probably just get them to say, "Hey, what side of the fairway am I good to like drive on?" But mm-hmm. otherwise, they're they're just there to pull your bag because we get really um useful yardage books um over there every tournament so we we get it's it's pretty easy once you get the hang of it week in week out going there and getting a yardage book Mm -hmm. um working it all out yeah I imagine it depends on the what type of player you are as well though I mean for example now in the men's game if you look at somebody like Bryson DeChambeau that's constantly in communication back and forth with his caddy and Jordan Spieth whereas some players I don't know what you're like but maybe they're just like give me the number or give me the, the club that you think and let's go. Whereas if you needed to be constantly communicating with them with in-depth information, that would be a lot more difficult, right? Yeah. So I'm one of the, so it's, it's different. Like if I had a, if I had a caddy who could travel with me week in, week out, I would 100% be one of those players where my caddy gets the number and they'd be like, okay, I think it's a seven. And I'd need to know like, a bit of the numbers but if he just thinks okay seven full seven hit it to the spot I'll be like okay cool I'll do that and it's a simple game mm-hmm. <laughs> because um caddies you can't it's unlikely that you're going to get a caddy to travel with you week in week out and get to sure. know your numbers so good like that you need to know them yourself um so yeah I know, I know my numbers well enough to make decisions on my own but if, mm-hmm. if I could I mean I would totally have a caddy making decisions for me yeah <laughs> saves me t- I mean language aside then what was the experience like again comparing it to somewhere like America in terms of just playing on the courses there and practicing out there at the driver range is is there there many differences between the two countries and maybe Korea as well I imagine it's slightly different it's really different if I'm to be honest like I remember walking up to the Korean tour event no one spoke a word of English I didn't even know how to register for the event I don't know how to get a practice round it was I was thrown into the deep end. I ended up finding, like, meeting a girl and who spoke English and she was like, yeah, you go here to register and, like, this is how you get a practice round and um, blah, blah, blah. So she she ended up being um, my only friend that week and we had breakfasts and everything together. But um, it, it definitely, like, the quality of how an event is run impacts on for me personally, on on how easy it is to go and play. For example, America, um, they run their events very well. So it's easy to go and play um, good golf because it's, you know, you've got nothing to worry about. But if you're there and you're worrying about little things off the course, it's hard to concentrate and and you're not sure if you're doing things right or within the rules and and things like that. But um, no, China was great, really well won. Um, Australia really well run um, America um, the WAPT tour over there uh, awesome events and I yeah I can't wait to get back and play there next year for sure yeah and what are your sort of plans now then obviously you're doing the quarantine here in New Zealand and you've got the Symmetra tour coming up but what do the, the next kind of three six months look like for you in terms of golf 
Yeah, so we've got the New Zealand summer coming up and we're really fortunate to have events here in New Zealand um, run through the PGA and got a little tour called the Charles Tour. So we've got events um, that'll happen over summer. Um, they We're currently in level three um, and level four lockdowns here in New Zealand just because of, we've had a small COVID outbreak. So we have mm -hmm. to wait until level one for us to be able to compete again. Um, and okay. so I was just talking to the PGA today actually and they're going to... Uh, move all the tournaments to be played in October, November, which is good because then they'll be week in, week out um, mm -hmm. and more on a tour schedule, um, which which is good um, from, from my point well, of yeah, view. You get but, yourself uh, into a bit of routine, don't you? Whereas if you're playing scattered events, it's very difficult to get yourself oh, in a rhythm, I imagine. So tough. And especially even if you want, you know, a little part-time job, no one's going to want you if you're taking a week off here, a week off there. So if you can at least say, hey, like, yeah, I'm away for a month or two months then um then you just go and focus on the golf and then you can go home and work for three months straight so um sure. yeah not that well mm. how, do, how does it work then for you at the moment with say for for example a coach i think i read somewhere as your coach from or lives in canada the last time i saw yes so the time i was talking about before uh, where i was in korea and um the korean event and i had no one to talk to that's how i met my coach so he was okay. there with the english-speaking player and i love their player um coach relationship and i was like oh, i really would love a relationship like that with a coach and i never had one and um yeah brian my coach lives in canada and he's been amazing like talks talks to me um you know every day when i was playing over at q school and and um he's coaches a lot of high profile players so no i really like him distance is tough but um you know, I guess that's just the time we're in at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a lot of kind of online lessons at the moment, is it? Or virtual lessons? Yeah, virtual. I'll, I'll send him a video. He'll send me like a video back with voiceover and maybe some lines drawn in on the video to like, so I can visually see what I'm doing, what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like after, it's so easy. You just put the, take the phone with you on the range, put your ear pods in and he's talking to you in your ear and he mm -hmm. can see what you're doing. It's, it's super simple. Yeah. yeah. So with, so with the Symmetra tour coming up and, and everything else that you've got going on, is there anything that you, you know, you've had a chat about maybe that you're going to be working on, like in terms of getting yourself ready for that, that tour, or is it just kind of as usual and just keep grinding? Um, no. So something that I like learned over Q school was that, well, my short game is awesome. My putting's really good. But my driving distance off the tee, it needs work. So I would be outdriven numerous times by all my other players and I was always hitting first. And I, I just need like an extra 10, 10, 15 metres. And so that's one thing that I'm going to be working on um, over the next six months is getting some more distance off the tee. Yeah. And obviously you're trying to get to the LPGA. Is there another kind of tour that you're going to be playing on alongside Symmetra? I mean, some people try and play a couple of different tours, don't they, to, to try and earn that yeah. status. Uh, what's your plan with that? I really want to, uh, well, they've got the WAPT tour, which is the tour below Symmetra tour. And there is a pathway to get onto there through that, which I will play in next year um, over in the States. But um, I was thinking of going over, um, heading over your way to Spain um, and playing in the LET Okay. Uh, the European school Q school um, I haven't decided what I'll do yet on, about that one just depends on what um, travel restrictions we have and sure. um, everything but if, if, if it was all going well I'll, I'll be over there in December 
yeah yeah I mean how do you think your game would suit to European kind of course and <laughs> style of golf I mean again you've got a load of experience in the states but how's your experience mm. in, the, in Europe I've got no experience in Europe like none at all I've never been over to that side of the world and I would love to see how I perform and what the um caliber of 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 um competition is like and just to see where i fit in over there and then weigh up the two tours and say okay well where am i best spending my time europe or america um so no that's that's half also half the reason why i want to go over just so i can know where i sit sit over yeah. there so be interesting yeah i mean one thing i did see because i'm watching a, a netflix documentary at the moment a series which is based in new zealand and it's the um can't remember his name now it's the ex-cricketer the famous ex-cricketer from New Zealand and he's doing a golf documentary there with an English cricketer and a lot of the courses there in New Zealand look like they are uh link style courses so maybe it's yes. something that's going to be Very fairly similar Bristol. if you do yeah so I went to boarding school in Dunedin Brenda, which Brenda is... McCullen Brenda McCullen that's Brenda it. McCullen yeah I yes, played golf there we go oh did you oh wow yeah yeah a few years ago he's a, he's a good guy um a good golfer too yeah um but yeah, no, you do find a lot of links courses um, in New Zealand. And so, if, like, yeah, I guess if you can play that low punchy shot, we might be okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's him and uh, Phil Tufnell, who's an English cricketer. And they basically uh, do like a tour of New Zealand um, or cool. different cities and playing on all the courses. And a lot of the ones I've seen so far have definitely got that kind of links feel to them. So maybe it's something that you can, uh, you know, get used to. You probably already used to if you did come and play over in the UK and Europe, maybe. Yeah, well, I guess, and it's, it's always a fun part of golf is like using your imagination. I mean, you play in America and you're playing the same shot every hole. <laughs> Usually it's just like driver, wood, iron, chip, putt. <laughs> but maybe in, in Europe it will be a little different. Yeah, well, yeah. I hope to see you over here. But uh, listen, anyway, thank you for joining me and doing this uh, podcast. I appreciate it. I know you're cooped up in your hotel room there, so I appreciate you coming on and doing this. And, yeah, um, yeah I look forward to seeing you playing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much. So for anybody that wants to find you on social media, where can everybody find you? Yeah, I'm a big Instagram um, user. So it's just Laura underscore underscore Hoskin. Uh, yeah, find me on there and click add. And if you've got any questions, just shout out. Awesome. Thank you very much, Laura. And look forward to watching you on the Symmetra Tour. Thank you. Thank you.